Welcome. You're listening to Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the podcast that pulls back the curtains in your mind. We like to shed a little light on why you're thinking what you're thinking. Everyone has a choice in life, in what and how they think. Together, we're going to focus on high-functioning habits. There is no more time to live with any sort of regret. Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the inspirational podcast for the inspired. Let's get into today's show with your host, Shelley R. Shearer. Hello, world. Shelley Rose Shearer here, and welcome to the show. Today's guest is Elliot Callan. He is the co founder and president of A Brighter Day, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping teens manage depression and stress. Elliot and his wife started the nonprofit in 2015 in memory of their youngest son, Jake, who died by suicide at the age of 19. A Brighter Day aims to stop teen suicide by educating teens and their parents about mental disorders and providing resources they can use to reach out and communicate when depression and stress are affecting either their own lives or the lives of those around them. They have helped thousands of teens deal with mental health issues while still allowing them to retain their privacy and dignity. Elliot, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Shelley. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. As I mentioned, we were just chatting beforehand. This is you are my second guest along this line. And unfortunately, the stats right now in the world after this whole COVID lockdown thing did not improve what is becoming a trend in both of our countries in North here in North America. So tell me a little bit about your story. This isn't a, an easy subject. And we are so grateful and and, uh, and thankful that you are here today to share it with us because you lived it. And I think how did you phrase it? You're a club that no one wants to be a member of? No, it's a terrible club, but yes. Okay. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your story, and then we'll talk about your organization. Thanks, Shelley. So here's what happened here in, in January of 2015 is we, we, my gut was telling me something was wrong with my son. No drugs, no alcohol. He was a 19-year-old sophomore at the University of Montana, played ice hockey. He had just earlier that week scored seven goals in a game had a great week. We were talking about it, mm-hmm. but there was something inside of me that didn't feel right. And Sunday morning, I called uh, me Friday morning. I gave him a call and his phone was turned off and his mom called him and his phone was turned off all day. And teenagers, as you know, don't turn off their cell phones. That's right. And we were frantically looking for him. We were calling around. Do you know this? I called the, the campus police. Can you stop by his room? Would you mind doing that? And just see, I'm a little concerned as a parent, which, you know, most campus police think you're overreacting anyway. Of course, you're helicoptering, as they like to put it. And it's like, hmm. And then 6.30 at night, we got a knock on the front door and it was Federal Express. And it delivered a six-page suicide note to us. And we called all around. And yes, the sheriff called us back and said, I'm sorry, your son died at about 1 a.m. early Friday morning. No drugs, no alcohol, clean talk screen. It appears that he walked or jogged up to the highway, waited for an 18-wheel truck to come by, and just jumped in front of it. Oh, my gosh. And we began that process. As you can imagine, as a parent, it's a horrible thing. Yes. And we began a process. We left 6.30 in the morning the next day for to get up to Missoula. And I read that. I brought the suicide note with me. And I read the note over and over. And you're not in mourning. You're in shock. Yes, I could I could imagine that. 
And we we got his got his body, did what we needed to do up there. Took a couple of days actually. They retired his jersey at the University of Montana's hockey jersey. They did a wonderful thing. They were just super people up there. And on the way back with his body under the plane, bringing him back to burial here in Northern California, I read that first main paragraph over and over. And, and it read Shelley, Mom and Dad, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I never would have told you how I felt. I never would have asked for your help. And I never would have taken your help. And I guess in his own way, he was trying to let us off the hook. Okay. Because all of that just has so many questions around it. Like, how does someone that young just decide that they're never going to ask for the help and they never would have taken it? So do you truly believe that's simply what that was? He knew where he was and he didn't want you living with the guilt and and the pain? Well, I think as and and. and you look at questions about suicide and I get asked that all the time because I, I use this story as a teaching moment rather than a moment to be filled with remorse and horribleness. And I got plenty of time for that in my life besides that. But this is a moment that we took to teach and work with other families to not feel this devastation, to not feel destruction because we knew people would do that. And we also began to understand through research as we started this, that most probably, and I don't know it because I've not tried to take my own life, but most probably when you have six walls in a room, including the floor and the ceiling, mm-hmm. I'm imagining for my son and for other uh, suicide victims that those walls are getting darker and blacker every day. And at some point, they, they're all black, mm-hmm. all dark. There's no shed of light, no shine. And a, yesterday stunk. Today's going to be even worse. I could say cruder than that coming out of New York, but I won't for your show. Tomorrow's going to be even worse than today. No one's going to miss me anyway. Let's just do it. And I think that's what happened. Yes. And um, something I don't share very often, but my listeners after six and a half years are aware that I had a suicide attempt when my son was five. And I'm so glad that I am so grateful that it didn't come to the fruition. I am here today to, to talk about it. I battled adult depression most of my life. And yes, that's exactly how it feels. I really, for where I was in my life, and I just, I look at your son, you think, like you say, he scored seven goals. You would have thought he's winning. He's on top of the world. I thought I was in, I, you know, I was in a great relationship. I had a fiance, but we were fighting and things were just going sideways. I had a five-year-old son. We had just bought a townhouse that I just, my own independence, my dream. So reason I mentioned that is I'm in a beautiful place, but in my mind, it's black. And I just couldn't hang on in my mind one more day. And the weird thing was the same thing went through my head. No one's going to miss me. Who's going to miss me? I don't miss myself. Why would anybody else miss me? Yeah, I I talk to people all the time, Shelly. It's just, it's about the, you know, it's different for everybody, but this is about what happens. Yes, exactly. So when you say he was thinking about it for a long time, he says in his letter, were your spidey tinglys going off for a while as well? Or was it rather a coming to the the culmination? He had maybe, you know, energetically had made up his mind and your energies just went, something's not right here with my son. I'm something's just, I don't know what it is, but something I'm worried. Or had you, could you see the signs as things were going on? Well, he really didn't have many signs. It just, when he came home for Christmas break, we knew, we noticed that his sleep pattern was totally disrupted. Mm. Now, we didn't know yes. he only withdrew socially 
because his right. friends told me that after the fact up at school. Right. And, and it's, those two are both signs of, of symptoms of somebody in depression, of social withdrawal and eating disorder. Neither one of them by themselves means you're depressed. But when you put them together, it begins to paint a picture. Yes. Yeah. And yes. so we knew something was wrong. So when he went, when he left for school, his mother took him to the airport. And when he left me, he couldn't look at me in the eyes. And that's, I, I was going out of my mind being uncomfortable. Right. And it, it was, he was only there a week back at school when he took his life. But he had already made the decision. Yes. He was yeah. just going through the motions and putting in time. Yeah. it's very Till, till he got back to, to school. So what we did, Shelly, on the way back home, um, I and I talked to his mom about this, I mm-hmm. I made a decision that we have to stop this for other families. Right out of the gate, you made right that decision. Um, I had already made some decision on a plane home. I've got to come up with something. Maybe it's a nonprofit charity like we have yeah. at Brighter Day. And we said, we've got to do something. And I began to do some market research because that's who I am. Okay. To who's and what's going on with teen depression and stress. Okay. And I couldn't find very much. There's lots of stuff on depression. There's lots of stuff on suicide. There's lots of stuff on mental health in a very broad sense. But there's almost nothing on teen depression and stopping teen suicide. There is where I want to stop you for a second so people can hear this because this was the same thing my other speaker said the same thing. There was so little, and she's from the States as well, there was so little in the prevention she says, every resource out there is for the after. It's happened. Now, how do we cope? Nothing for in 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 the front of the proactive, the have the conversation. What do we do? So walk us through. You, you've t- you Clearly, you got on this mentally in your head very quickly. Walk us through how this all unfolded then. Okay. We knew we'd be victims. So, and you're always a victim. I'm a victim that, uh, you know, I hate the phrase that people use in our, in the industry of suicide is that everybody in my family is now called a survivor. Oh, I don't like that phrase. It's been used on me a number of times. Well, you're a survivor. I don't think of myself as a survivor. My son took his life. Mm -hmm. Just because I didn't doesn't make me a survivor. No, if you've been in a car crash and you lived and he didn't, you'd be a survivor of the car crash, but you're not a survivor of his suicide. And I actually had somebody I had recently done to me a polit- one of those political correction type of statements. I know you're not supposed to use the phrase "my son committed suicide" because of that word "commit" means almost like a crime. So you say my oh. son took his life by suicide. Okay. And and I said, well, all right, I I guess I accept that. And it's like psychiatrist who had a podcast said to me, "No, your new phrase should be your son had a successful suicide." And I thought, and I, I looked at him, I said. Please never repeat that phrase to me ever. Thank There's, you. That's, that's terrible, horrible phrase. And he said, well, that is the correct phrase. And I said, it's not. You're living in a world of ultimate political correctness and suicide should not be in this conversation. Good for you. Anyway, so we started this. We started a charity called A Brighter Day. It's abrighterday.info. And the goal was very clear. Let's create resources for teens or teens and their parents. Mm-hmm. The goal of stopping teen suicide. Very simple. We I can't stop teen suicide. I can just create resources and create opportunities that may stop them. Fair enough. So we took an old concept called Battle of the Bands, mm-hmm. been around forever, repackaged it to teen band showcase, and started to do bands. People opened up the doors to us, not so much schools, 
but departments of rec and cities opened up the doors to us. And we started to invite teen bands in to play for teens. And we handed out backpacks, these string backpacks, and we filled them with resources, original creative resources on stress and oppression for teens that we wrote. Excellent. Stress ball. I mean, like articles. Right. And today we have thousands of articles on our website that we have do original creation on. I write prolifically and I've got a writer now on staff. Uh, okay, I did notice your blog was, I was on your website this morning and it was spectacular. Oh my goodness. Yes, you have a lot of information. We're all over the internet and all over media. And you, I mean, we're doing things that's really good. So we did that for three or four years, just concerts. We handed out about 2,000 backpacks to parents and teens, mostly teens. And was this local in the area that you live in? Northern California. Okay. And then COVID hit. And we needed to reinvent ourselves because live band showcases were gone. Of course, this is 2015. Yes. Okay. And and so we did. And we realized along the way, as we did some other talent things to learn, that we really want to focus in on improving the social media and the web presence out there. Okay. So we sunk a lot of money in, hired some people. I'm obviously the backer of the charity. I have a real job, (laughs) but I'm I'm the backer of the charity. And unfortunately for charity... Um, money is the mother's milk of every charity out there. It's just, it is. It is. and so we, we spent a lot of money and we created resources and along the way, what, what became 2000 backpacks with resources in the first three or four years, last month now became 14,000 downloads. Okay. A month, very different. Very different. And then we learned other things because it's an evolving issue and, and, I hate to say that we're at the right time at the right place with teen depression, suicide, but we basically are. But you know, there's not ago, a nice, polite way to say that, Elliot. It's fine, but it is a reality. Twenty years ago, no one talked about it. Mental right. health for teens, depression—it's in the closet. Maybe you talked about a few mental health issues that were genetic and things like that, but now we talk about it and it's on the news all the time. And that's that's healthy. It's a healthy conversation. Okay, and so. We realized not every parent, not every teen is going to read this stuff. They're not visual. So then we said, okay, let's do more than this. And we created a texting program, which teens love. And even my son would have used it probably. Of course. So they can text the word brighter, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-R, to 741-741-24-7, all 50 states, Canada included, anywhere you want to go in North America. Just type it in. And in five minutes they will have a counselor to speak to or speak with. Really? Yep. Anyway. How did you put something like that in place? Just because did. that's now, like you see, that's a continent now that's being looked after. And that's, and that's a technology issue. We went okay. we up with technology people to do that. And now we've got people every single month because it's free, no advertising, right. no backend advertising, nothing like that or on our website. We created this and we wanted people to go in there Actually, and because you just need to be 12 to 100 to get in there. You don't need to be, a pa- and a parent doesn't have to approve it because of the way the licensing works, which means every teen, everywhere, anytime can say, can text in something. And you know something, we monitor it. The number one question that a teen asks almost immediately, am I the only one feeling this way? In, I have to ask this, in this day and age, that is still a social, I don't know, barrier or question 
it, like we live in 2022. These kids have grown up with technology the last decade with a phone in their hands and they still truly feel that isolated and that they could and maybe they feel they are alone. They are alone. That's part of the isolation. Isolation wow. and withdrawal again are part of depression. And so now, you know, and we can get to the reason why. There's a really power, powerful reason why besides COVID. That's a very obvious reason why. But they feel alone and they're going to, they could talk to a counselor every day of the week. And if that's not good enough, because that doesn't work for everybody either. Some, people, some people need face-to-face. -face. I just got two emails this morning from people, one via our website and one via an email said, my child needs help. What do I do? Can you recommend a counselor? Well, here's the problem in the States with counseling. And I, I, I don't know how it is by you, but to get a counselor for a teenager in crisis in most of this country can take up to 10 weeks to get an appointment. That's not fast enough and it's no better. It's worse in Canada. Yeah. So, And when you get a counselor, what happens? Well, 10 weeks when your child is in crisis mode is a lifetime. 10 hours is a lifetime when your child is in crisis mode. So we hooked up with BetterHelp, which is a large technology company here. I don't know if they're in Canada. Uh, can't imagine if they're not, but they're here. Okay. And we now can get anybody, again, in all 50 states in the U.S., we can get live Zoom. It is Zoom. Live Zoom licensed counseling in seven days. Anywhere in this country. And it's someone for them to talk to, right? Yep. Now, we did something even more because as we researched this with BetterHelp, which is a major company, when we researched it, we found out that the average teenager requires four sessions to turn the corner to begin to feel a little bit better about themselves. Okay, that's a good stat. Okay. I've often wondered, okay. Now, so obviously some kids can, can take a lifetime. So four though, so we put on our website that we will pay, that's how we fundraise, we will pay for all four sessions for that team to get counseling. If they do it through our website, then we've got money for that. So which means that we've got you live Zoom counseling. Your personal financial situation is irrelevant now, whether you have money or don't, whether you have right. insurance or not, we will pay for the first four to get that person, get your team immediate help. And you as a parent, in that case, because they're licensed in every state license, mm -hmm. they have to sign off and agree to this. And I can't imagine a parent saying no, because the parent can also go on and get help and we'll help them with that too. Oh, because okay. Parents from their perspectives. Yes. We're going to help them every which way. So everything we do is to get that teenager help or get that parent help because we know that at the end of the day, it reaches our goal of stopping teen suicide. Oh, wow. If you don't mind me quickly just sharing something then I, for my Canadian listeners, because we're just comparing, you know, we have very different medical systems, but Canada's is very broken. I have an illness and with it came a, a huge amount of depression because I was used to being an A-type personality. So I'm not a teenager, but where it affected me with how teens are being treated was I went to my doctor. I'd like to talk to someone. I don't think I, you know, I, I just would like to have a conversation. They sent me to the psychiatrist. They rapid, we do have something called rapid something or another here. It's called. So I got in very quickly within the week. He spent 15 minutes with me, Elliot, and gave me 300 milligrams of Seroquel, a heavy, heavy drug, and sent me home. 
So after about a week or two, my husband's like, we can't live this way because I was just in bed unconscious. And I said to him, I, we said, we can't do this. We will do other things. But I said to him, this is what happening to our teenagers when they go see professional help. They're given 15 minutes and narcotics and sent out the door. I was devastated for our youth. So Shelly, you're not the only one that has said this to me because we have a very large HMO, uh, or I don't want to mention names, very very okay. large West Coast HMO mm-hmm. out here, uh, organization out here with hospitals and doctors and so forth. And when your team needs help, they're not very responsive. And it is easier to give out Prozac or Zantac, or Xanax, excuse me, Prozac or Xanax or some drug of choice like that. Mm-hmm than it is to cure the problem. And you're not curing the problem. You're drugging down the problem. Right. I was a grown-ass adult. You know, I I, I tend to be a very up person, but I have battled with depression my entire life. I take a mild antidepressant for it to give me that knee up. But that knee up means now I have to face it. I have to do the things I know will keep me positive. Diet, nutrition, I, essential oils, happy things, good friends, reach out when I need to, but I'm in my fifties. Okay. I, I spent 30 years learning that a teenager doesn't have those resources. They don't even have that awareness. So I'm, my heart is breaking for what you're saying that it's no better there than here where it's simply just a drug and a go home and, and be dopey. So hopefully if you're dopey enough, you'll stop thinking of all this. That's not how psychology works. No, it's easier though. It's a, it's a path of least resistance. And Okay, so when you've got, when you think you've got a problem with your teen, what are some of the signs to look for then? We talked about the the sleeping and and the eating habits changing. For sure, I can certainly relate to that when I was younger because my eating disorder came on by 16. And what do you find though in in your situation now? You've been doing this for, I guess, going on seven years, right? It's 2023, seven years now. Well, let me even back up a prelude to your question. Please do. And the prelude would be, how do you as a parent even begin to discover there's a problem? Oh, okay. Let's start there then. Yeah. And so let's talk about the two big issues that are out there. The 800 pound gorilla in a room is social media. It's the text. That's what I just looking at. It's the cell phone. So the cell phone, the good side about Google and the cell phone is if your child's got a report due on Pakistan, they'll know the population of Pakistan in less than 30 seconds. That's the good news. What's the bad news? is that the cell phone, particularly Facebook, Instagram, and um, everything that they're using, TikTok, is, creates a highlight reel of everybody else's life but their own. And yes. everybody seems to be having more fun than them. Even my kids, when they came home their freshman year of college, my twins, they were they walked in. And in Northern California, lots of people go to Lake Tahoe, for winter break skiing, and lots of people go to Hawaii. Okay. Out of the two bookends of Northern California. And my son made a comment to me. He said, Dad, are we the only family that doesn't go to Tahoe or Hawaii? Millions of people are all in Tahoe and Hawaii, but it's perspective for them. They don't they don't have the ability to create that perspective. No, they don't have it. So so the cell phone is actually the enemy. So the first thing I would suggest to you as a mom, as a parent who cares about their kids. And there are challenges to that all by itself with you as a mom who's working, maybe single mom, maybe two working parents trying to cover all the bills. Maybe just you're having your own issues and you just don't have time to understand your kids. Mm -hmm. All these things are real out there. They are. 
Yeah, I would say the first thing you could do as a parent is make every dinner cell phone free. Oh, yes. No. No calling grandma. No calling the one kid who's in college because you want to FaceTime with him. Nothing. Take those phones, including mom and dad's phone, stick them in a basket on the side, and you'll get to them after dinner. But the purpose of dinner, like the good old-fashioned days before even you and I were born, right? purpose of dinner is to discuss. Yes. So we put on our website actual questions that you as a parent in the Parent Survival Toolkit, we have it, because we have a Teen Survival Toolkit and a Parent Survival Toolkit. We put questions to help you ask your teen if you don't know what to say. Okay, excellent. Let me give you a question. Because no one's just casually listening to this podcast. They search for these types of podcasts when they have questions. So So let me give you a typical question. question. Okay. So let's take your child's Mary or John for just argument's sake. How, not just how is school today. That's your most typical question of parents. How's school going? How's school? Oh, great. Yeah. If you've got a boy like mine or boys like mine, they grunt. They're cavemen. Answer fine. <laughs> 29-year-old son getting dual concurrent PhDs right now. He answers me. He's 29. He answers me monosyllabically. And I, he's like, fine, good. Uh, well. And I have to remind him. Say, Cody, I spent a lot of money for your for your answer. education. <laughs> Please answer me polysyllabically. Well done. And he probably knows what the word means. Oh, it's yeah, just we'd does. like you to use those words, please. Right. So, so who's what's your favorite class? Who's your favorite teacher? What's your least favorite class and why? Who's your least favorite teacher? Why? Why are you struggling with Mrs. Smith in chemistry? Right. Why is that happening? What can I do to help you? Now, who's your best friend in chemistry? Oh, it's Mary. How's Mary doing in chemistry? Because you may find that they'll talk about their friends easier than about themselves. And if they're best friends, if Mary and John are best friends, and Mary's kind of checked out of chemistry, not even showing up sometimes, then you might find that your son, John, is also checking out of chemistry. Fair enough. You can learn a lot by by not just saying how school was, by just digging in. And asking better questions like, so to, so Monday when you're off from school, it's a national holiday. What are you doing? I'm nothing. It's because in the old days, my parents never asked what I was doing. Your parents didn't. You just went out and played. Of course, yes. Right. We, My yeah. husband and I joke about that all the time. We helicopter okay. our kids and they won't let them walk to school. And we left in the morning at eight and said, you know, be home by dark. It's not the reality anymore. So you're going to ask those questions about how they feel about it. And you and the key for you, mom, is to be exceptionally non-judgmental. Yes. Okay. They will not share anything if they feel judged. Like Most it. humans don't, but kids especially, I agree. So if, if 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 they say, you know, my friend Mary, she's really not getting along with her parents at all. She feels like they don't listen to anything she has to say and say, and if you jump on her, jump on your child and say, well, Mary needs to do this with her parents. They're never going to share that because they, they, again, they might not be talking about Mary. It might be their relationship with you. And mom, I don't share oh, anything with you because you judge me. Fair enough. So don't assume it's always third party. Right. Now, the second thing you could do is when you're in the car, mm-hmm. which we as helicopter parents are driving kids as taxi drivers everywhere, mm-hmm. turn off the radio, get the earbuds out of both of you and talk in the same way. You yes. will learn so much in the car. And if that doesn't work, the third thing you can do is take regular walks with your child. Go for a walk around the neighborhood and say, how's it going? Talk to me a little bit about what's happening in school because we tend as humans to spill more of our guts and talk more when we're exercising 
because it's it's a very relaxing state than when we are at a dinner table when it could be considered confrontational. Fair enough. And a couple of years ago, I was doing the books for an old friend who went in with a partner and bought a hot tub store. So he put a hot tub in his backyard. About six months in, he says, Shelly, I cannot believe what my kids tell me when we are sitting in the hot tub. I should have got one five years earlier. Mm, there you go. They're relaxed. Everyone's got a cold drink. You know, he's like, he's like, they just don't stop talking. And my husband, even just a little examples, just to he says, you need to start taking our granddaughter home sometimes because it's a bit of a drive. And he usually looks after it. He says, Shelly, honey, that's when she talks. She's 12 now. He says, you've got to do one of the drives because that's she will talk at you the entire drive. Whereas when she's here with the two of us and I'm trying to, you know, how's school? How's your friends? It's like you say, it's like pulling teeth. And I'm not even her mother. I'm just her grandmother. I take it if we can just make it part of our regular life that let's go. For, let's, let's take a, the dog around the block for a walk. Come on. I'll go with you. As a parent, Shelly. You know, I know, statistically speaking, 99 and 9 tenths of all parents want to be good parents. Of course. And there's, there's the people that just, they can't. It's just not going to happen for them. That's fine. You want to be a great, you even, I want to be a great parent. We do. And you've got tools. You've got issues that your parents gave you that are good. Issues that are not so good that you've passed along to. Mm -hmm. in both ways, and we've all done that. But you want to be a great parent. You, But to be a great parent you know, it's not just having your kid go to Harvard and get straight A's. There's a lot more to life than that. Yes. And you can learn this by asking great questions. Be a great listener and a great question answer. Ask her on that and you will get there and you'll learn that maybe my child, yeah, when they start talking about their friends, they withdraw a little bit or not. They're not eating as well as they used to. They're not sleeping as well as they used to. They've checked out of one or two classes because they, they mm. realize that. Well, they're really good in English, but they're terrible in science or vice versa. Mm -hmm. You need to learn this before it's too late. And those are things that you can get answered where you can begin to say and ask questions. You know, I see this is really problem problematic or problem bothering you about chemistry. How can I help? Can I get you a chemistry uh, tutor or mm -hmm. is it a little bit more than that? And it's not actually the class, but now you're not even going can we right. talk about this? Can we get some professional help? Have you thought about, here's a text line. Uh, anytime you want to talk to somebody about what's going on in your life, at school, at home, in the middle of the night, call this number. You're going to talk to somebody five minutes. I won't even be part of it. You don't have to, you don't have to tell me you did that. I just want to make sure that you're in a safe place. Do you think as parents, our need to have all the answers that sometimes works in our, not in our favor? You can't have all the answers. That's the first thing that you Excellent. have to recognize. You know, my mother, uh, you know, rest her soul, my mother, who was an immigrant from Europe, and a, an Auschwitz concentration camp survivor, mm. was one of the most annoying people I knew when I was in high school. <laughs> and I would apologize to her if she came back for saying that. But she made it a point from junior high on up to say, who are your best friends? Who are your close friends? And then she would call their mothers introduce yourself and say hey here's my information if you ever need to call me about my son or if you see anything could be wrong or not wrong please keep me involved and i will call you and do the same if they're ever playing here so i recognize something yeah i thought that that was the world's worst thing a mother could do that's brilliant actually i'm sorry <laughs> prior different generation is like why wouldn't you know who your parents friends parents were and who was in your neighborhood but now we all live in our boxes and we feel it's an evasion of privacy it's like mm. but our job is to keep you safe 
And I uh, just not on this particular subject, but just raising teenagers in general, I used to always joke, it's my job to keep the bumpers in place. You're doing a great job um, reaching people and good for everybody listening to you, Shelly, because they're listening because they care and you, they know you do also. And that's great. And if, if there's no quick fix to your team out there or your child, you'd, everybody here knows that already. You know, that it, it's a process. And yeah. so the earlier you get in the process and the more you get in front of it, the less likelihood that you're going to have an outcome like I did. Is now, there an age demographic that this happens? I mean, you've, you probably have now studied stats. You've been doing this for so many years. Is there a susceptible age, I guess, is the word I'm looking for? I think what happens is that you start getting into puberty for children. And obviously, boys are different than girls. Mm -hmm. And by the way, boys commit suicide or take their lives four to one over girls because it's so violent. But the faster growing group is girls, young girls, young ladies. Uh, again, are we back to the phone? Faster. Yeah. And so, but they just do it in drug format, overdosing versus oh. a gun or a train or a bus or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but for all the same reasons. Um, and we'll put bullying in there somewhere. I don't know where the bullying goes in. We include that as part of depression, but it has different, it's different criteria bullying. But the key is you've got to get them help. I think once that body begins, so the brain begins to, to, to develop, it's just, there's so much confusion, so mm -hmm. much misinformation. There's my daughter hit the mean girl stage in seventh and eighth grade. There's mm. that. Boys don't yeah. really get that, but they get bullying where, you know, your son hasn't started growth growing yet. The kid down the hall is, is six feet already. Yeah. I mean, there's all that that happens. And I believe in this generation, we take it far too casually. 14 to 17 are yucky years. They were yucky with my son. We were, you know, we had a rough time with him. And uh, so we've taken those lessons. And so has he in raising his daughter. So the cell phone, mm -mm, that wasn't even allowed till just this year. And it's a lockdown Android without all the apps, no iPhone, no smartphone. Just you can phone your mom and you're allowed WhatsApp because we all use it on the Wi-Fi. But uh, very, very locked down. Gaming addiction, he suffered through. So I guess like you have done, we take the lesson and at least we can, we're using the lesson. But I think we all need to be aware as parents, the issues that are are prevalent. And especially in today's society where both parents are working, we're not paying attention. They're being raised by social media. Yeah, they are. Now, I was a single parent for a while. Married long-term, divorced okay. and married long-term. And I can tell you when I came home and I think I'm a very typical parent, okay. work, coming home, getting out of there, picking them up, doing everything and do it. I let's make dinner. Let's get your homework done. Let's get through the night. Yeah. I wasn't even yeah. thinking about mental health. Right. Or their state of mind. And of course my boys played ice hockey and they played school sports. So I went to that stuff too. My daughter played in high school soccer. My daughter was, was, um, um, travel soccer. We're always on the go. Right. Less time to talk about mental health, but times have changed and you've got to do that as a parent. Because if you don't, nothing might, bad might happen. But if it was going to happen, you were in front of it. If you had one piece of advice or step one for any parent that got the icky feeling like you did, what would be their first thing to do? I would make sure that I'm right. Getting all the information that I can get whether mm -hmm. it's a website like a brighterday.info, whether I want to even use a counseling program just for me as a parent, get some okay. help, lots of parental tools online. You don't need just me. There are a gazillion parental tools out there. But then I would find a way to engage with my team, walking, dinner, back of the car, front of the car, 
something, engage with my team and ask good questions and let them know that whatever they say to me, is it's a safe space. I think that's very important. I grew up with a lot of judgment from my mom, but in my father's defense, we were a family that was very active as far as camping and things like that. So we spent time together over cards, no TV, no, no, especially no TV. That was the big thing. We were only allowed a couple hours a week. So if we were together, we weren't staring at each other. We had to talk to each other. And I think that's missing in a lot of ways. So clearly, I think what I'm hearing from you is the message is parents, you need to talk to your kids. I'll tell you something funny. I grew up in a very Jewish and Italian neighborhood, very middle class, <laughs> blue collar. And my mother was one of those people that actually crossed both lines because she was a, an Italian Jewish woman. We had friends everywhere on all sides. We celebrated Hanukkah. We celebrated Christmas with everybody. It was very homogenous no matter where you came from. The differences were the good things, not the bad things like today. Right. And the, all the mothers, my mother gave permission to every mother that if she needed to ask me a question or discipline me, they had permission to hit me. But they <laughs> cared. They, they cared. Now, you can never do that today. No, but my I brother don't. just recently said to me, we were on vacation last week in Hawaii. He said, you know, we were talking about all the friends and family and, and ethnicities. He said, you know, how come I remember you constantly being hit by all the other mothers? <laughs> and I said, well, it was obviously I, I had a, a big mouth. That was the obvious reason. But, but the key is they cared. Yes, so they when, did. I was, when I became a teenager years later and I was playing with their kids, they still cared. Yeah, They still would say, hey, Elliot, why don't you and Johnny come in and have something to eat? We have a donut for you guys. Come on yeah. in. And then when she she didn't just give the donut and walk away, she said she was she with you. There, yeah, she stood there where she sat with us and say, hey, how's school going for you? It's true. And when you're a teenager, you might not know. And I think this is where I think we really need to drive this home. The two of us on this show. Parents, it's up to you. You're the ones with the knowledge and you're the ones that are, can get the knowledge. Their kids, their hormones are running. Their brains are firing. It's really, it is, it is up to us. I, I believe that. Keith always jokes when you grew up, where he grew up, the neighborhood moms, Shearer, I'm watching you. It is a little odd. You have, you're a, a, with the Jewish. He was the, a Catholic. He said all the Italian Catholic friends. And, uh, but they're, you know, they're in, they're in church together. They're in school together. They're on the streets playing each other's homes. But parents had a little bit of an autonomy, but they were involved. And you what you had, what's the word I'm looking for? A village. It was a village mentality. Like you say, other mothers smacked you when <laughs> you got mouthy. You're right. You can't pull it anymore. But I live in a neighborhood like that where the kids don't look at us twice if we question what they're doing. Hey, guys, what you doing there? Like we let them run. We're a one way in, one way out. So there's sometimes ATVs running around. It's kind of we're all of like mind. But it's sometimes you're like, hey, whoa, slow that down now. And no one turns and flips us the bird and says, hey, you're not my mother. Don't speak to me. They're kind of taught, oh, so another parent in the neighborhood has said slow down. Their parents, when they if they went and complained about us, would say, well, then you listen to Mr. Shearer. Great tools and things for managing uh, depression and such for teens specifically. Now, the parents can go to your website. You've got amazing resources there. I really, like I say, you have a phone number that I reached you at that no one has a phone number on their website. So I, that was awesome that I could I could literally connect with you. And there was great resources there for teens. Where can you point them? We have a teen survival toolkit, Shelly, on the website that they can click to. But I'm going to tell you that the number one tool for a teen, because they're not great readers, let's be honest, <laughs> is going to be that texting program. Okay, the texting program. Because they're going to talk to somebody 
45 minutes. They could talk seven days a week. Um, if they can't sleep at night, they could talk from the room. If they want to take a break from school, they could talk there. Okay. They're going to get some really positive sound advice. No one's going to call their parents. It's anonymous completely. And they're going to say, I'm feeling this way. And they're going to go, it's a texting program, mm -hmm. but their world is different than yours and mine. Their world is synchronatic texting and that's their world. And they're going to get better answers. If, if you're not sure to get into live counseling and if that's not working well, mm -hmm. then, you know, obviously that's good. That is, can be very effective. Then use the text, use the text line, please. Use the text program. Okay. And is there a link to that on your website or? Absolutely. Okay. So everything is really on your website. Yes. It may and take you in different directions, but it's there. They just type the word brighter, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-R, -R, mm -hmm. 741-741. And in less than five minutes, they will connect with somebody live via texting. What a gift that you, your wife, everyone in your family, and whoever is in your sphere of circle have, have offered to, to North America. Because it is a, I consider this almost the bigger pandemic of what's going on. And the more it's on the news, the more my heart just gets heavier and heavier. What would you like to leave our audience with as a closing thought? Well, again, thank you, Shelly, so much for having me. But look, look, stress and depression exist for our teens. Yes. It, it takes its toll on parents as well. So you don't need to be alone. There are so many tools in, available to you, whether it's written tools like our website or texting tools or visual tools or other websites. Go get help. Realize that your teen is just like you. They're confused. They're struggling. They're befuddled. Their brains aren't fully developed. They think they have all the answers that they have. As you know, as a parent, they have so few answers, right? Yeah. Go, don't be a, a victim of inaction. Try to get in front of this. I like that. Do not be a victim of inaction. That is a spectacular saying. There, There is help. You're not alone. I teach it on this podcast, my Instagram page all the time. And I think one of the things that even as adults that we work through that our kids are just, they're not ready yet, but we need to understand it is we are not our feelings. That's why I love the name of your foundation, A Brighter Day. We lost my brother a lot of brain cancer this year and we all had to grieve that, but there are brighter days coming and it's okay to feel your feelings without needing to leave, leave yep. the planet. There Absolutely. are ways. Yep. Thank you so much for having uh, taking this time and, and coming onto the show. I greatly, just so greatly appreciate people like you that are out there being a light for the world and taking what was an absolute tragedy and my heart breaks for you and your family and turning it into a way to help others. Elliot, thank you so much. And everyone else, I'll see you on the flip side. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. Stay connected with us directly through livingwellwithshell.com and Instagram at livingwellwithshell. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through shelly at livingwellwithshell.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Thank you. And remember, willpower will only get you so far if you don't have a plan.